Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series we're doing called What the World Needs Now. The title is pretty self-explanatory. You can figure it out, what we're talking about. We're talking about love. And uh, we're using 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8 as the basis and foundation for this message. It's, again, uh, a sub-series in our Encourager's Plan. And we're kind of wrapping up that whole series that we've been doing for months with uh, this particular part of the plan uh, today. Um, but, you know, I have a little just words of wisdom before we get started that I thought you might enjoy. Yeah, no matter how much you push the envelope, it, it will always be stationary. That's really bad, isn't it? It takes a little while to... <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. I, I wondered why the baseball kept getting bigger. And then it hit me. No? Right, right. right. <laughs> okay. I'm almost done. I got one more. You know what you would get if, 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 uh, if you know what happens if uh, you throw a grenade into a kitchen in France? Linoleum blown apart. <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> People ask me why I take up the offering earlier. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You'll be telling people that joke. <laughs> I'm done. I know you will. <laughs> so, um, we're talking about uh, love as the foundation. It has to be the foundation for everything that we do in life as believers, particularly this ministry of encouragement. We, if we don't have love, we can't do it. We have to... Uh, do it in love. And you know, the world is desperate to be encouraged. Um, it's, it's such a grumpy place, and people are so shocked if you do something kind. We did a little thing this morning. We went out and uh, we set up over at Tib Bank. We took a small group over there, and we, uh, we grilled some hamburgers and hot dogs, and we gave away 200 free lunches today. And uh, we were just doing it as people were driving out of the flea market, and we had everything in to-go boxes. And uh, we gave them a, either a hamburger or a hot dog, and, and they were well-made, and a bag of chips and a bottle of water, and we gave away 200. And people were amazed, you know, and they were all, what's the catch, what's going on? And um, all we did was, on the box, we, had, we made stickers. And it, it says this, all this said was this on the sticker. If there is such a thing as a free lunch, what else might be true? That's all it said, and then and then it had www.afreelunch.org, which is a website I put together last week. And if they go to the website, because some of them, I know that some of them did because I tracked it. Uh, the first page just said what a free lunch was. It wasn't really very descriptive. The second page said why we do it. And on the second page I had it, it said, um, uh, so it's very basic, generic kind of site. The second page says, well, we have two reasons we do it. One, we just want to encourage people. And secondly, we've all received this amazing free gift. And because of that, we want to give stuff away, so we give these lunches away. And then at the bottom of that page, it says, if you want to know what that gift was, click here. And if they click there, then the, the third page in, finally, is a little gospel presentation. And uh, I tracked the site. We had like 50 hits today on that site. 
from giving away lunches. So, very cool stuff, but the uh, people are shocked when you do something encouraging, nice, out of the ordinary, and uh, the world's desperate for it. it. You know, they're so used to people robbing them and taking advantage of them and beating them down that, that when we can do something nice, it, 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 uh, different, it makes, it makes a huge difference in the world. And, and, and so the motivation for that has to be love. And we, we started last week, and I'm encouraging you to memorize 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, because they're powerful verses, and we, we talked about that. And, and we, we looked last week at um, love is patient, but it was part of verse 4 that says love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. And then verse 5 picks up and says it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. And what I um, suggested to you last week is that uh, in these verses and the ones that continue on, there's seven sort of positive ideas about what love, what love is and seven sort of negative, what, what love isn't. And that Paul is mixing them around, and I think that um, they complement one another. So last week when we talked about love being patient, I said that, that probably the best ways that love is patient is that it's not envy and it doesn't boast and it isn't rude. And today we're going to talk about love being kind and that I think the best way to describe kindness is found in verse 5. It, it's, it's, uh, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, you know, it's not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. And so the first thing that love is, and what we're going to talk about today, is that love is kind. Last week we said that love was patient, we looked at that pretty uh, deeply. Today I want to talk about love being kind. Now, I, I've told you that these... Uh, one of the things about those verses is everywhere it says love, you could you could put God in there because God is love. And so it's a reminder of who God is. And then I also said that what we're moving towards, hopefully by the Spirit working in us, is that eventually we can begin to put our names in those blanks. You know, Steve is patient, Steve is kind, and I kind of went, okay, we're well, not quite yet, but, but, but it's a process. So, so when you think about that love is kind, I always think about the fact that God is kind, and, and God's kindness is expressed to us in Christ. Um, um, a definition of his kindness is the steadfast love that maintains relationships through gracious aid in times of need. See, that's a, that to me is a definition of the kindness of God. Because uh, he expressed his kindness to us in Christ. Look at Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So, so God's loving kindness is expressed to us in Christ Jesus and what Jesus did for us on the cross uh, and in, in giving us life. Um, and, and it's an amazing work of grace and it's an expression of the kindness of God. Now, what does kindness look like then as we learn to be kind? And a, a definition of kindness as sort of a, a human virtue is a, a helpfulness to others prompted by an experience of God's redemptive love. That, that as we've experienced this love, as we've experienced this grace, that what should come from us now is a, a kindness towards others, a, a helpfulness 
to others, a concern for others, a caring for others. That, that apart from Christ, we may not have all that well. We might have some of it, but not to the depth that we need it. And, and yet it's in uh, understanding and receiving his kindness to us in Christ that we can begin to extend kindness to others. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. See, that's how we're supposed to be walking this thing out. But it's not always easy. And, and if you've been listening to me, the whole thing at work again, once again, is the whole noun and adjective thing. Um, remember I told you I read that thing from C.S. Lewis early, uh, earlier this year, and he, he just was common, common, he was making a comment on Genesis 3 and the fall. And, and what, he, what he ultimately said was, the struggle that all of us have is that we, we struggle to be nouns when in fact we're created to be adjectives. And that in the story of God, his story, there's only one noun, that's him. We're all adjectives, and our lives are to describe him. And where we have trouble is, we keep wanting to be the noun in the story. And we're not created to be the noun. It's not part of the deal. The story's not about us, it's about him. Something we don't matter. Adjectives are really important. It's just, we get it upside down all the time. And every time that we do that... We, we, we don't see the world the way that we need to. We see everything from a very limited perspective where it's all about us and how it impacts us. And so that everything that happens, our initial response is, well, how does this affect me? Instead of looking at it from a different picture and, and a bigger picture and realizing that, that our, our concern is to be bigger than that, that, that we're called to be displayed this kindness that, that God has given to us. And that it should demonstrate itself in, in compassion and humility and kindness and gentleness extended to others. And so, again, I think that the, what Paul does for us is he helps us to see what kindness looks like by showing us what it isn't. And he does that in 1 Corinthians 13.5 that says that, that this love isn't rude and it's not self-seeking and it's not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrong. So I just want to touch on those four things today. And uh, see how it goes. And I hope you remember last week's stuff and, and hope that you're doing, you know, well with those things about not being envious and not being boastful and, and not being proud and, and the problems that we have with those things. So now we have this new set of things to work with this week. So let's hop right into uh, your second point then, that, that love is not rude. Love is not rude. Are you aware of your own rudeness? Do you ever catch yourself being rude? Do you ever, do you ever get the idea that, that, because sometimes it, it, it'll almost be shocking. I think we, we fall into it culturally. Rudeness is, is so commonplace that we may not even catch ourselves when we're just being completely rude. Have you ever caught yourself or heard yourself say something like, I don't mean to be rude, but? <laughs> like somehow that excuses your rudeness. And then my advice too, and this is, I mean this, if someone says to you, I don't mean to be rude, but, before they get past there, this is what you need to do. <laughs> You're actually helping them. <laughs> Because there's, there's, what's coming out next is rude. You don't, it's like, don't. 
But, but see, we, this is all, this happens. And when you feel the urge to be rude to someone, uh, or you catch yourself being rude, you need to stop, and you need to quit trying to blame everybody else for what's going on, and you need to ask God to check on you and figure out what's wrong with you at that moment. Because I promise you it's a you problem. There's something wrong with you at that moment. And, and most of the time it's a, you're, you're stuck back in not being patient and you've gotten real proud and you think that, that this should just, shouldn't be happening to you, uh, in the process. And, and culturally there's this huge thing that we need to really be aware of in the ministry of encouragement and as believers is that there's a tendency culturally to be rude to people that serve you. And I see it all the time. And we gotta be careful. Especially in that position. I'm talking about, I watch people all the time being rude to cashiers and waiters and waitresses and fast food people. And, you know, don't. They're, they're doing the best they can. Um, these, it's, it's those people that need to be encouraged. I mean, that should be the, the harvest field. That should be where the ministry is centered on the people that are taking the, the most amount of guff. Let's not add to it. Let's stop it. Now, let's stop with us. Let's, let's change people's lives because they, they get constantly beat up on by other people and let's be kind to them. Tell them that they matter. We appreciate you being here. But, but it's very easy to get that whole thing going about, you know, I'm way too important to be stuck here in this line for ten minutes. Wait, just, you know. And here's, here's the deal. You're just not that important. <laughs> But you're just not. None of us are. And so, and yet we get, we get caught in this mess and we need to be the people that stop and, and somehow atone for all the guff that everybody else takes. So, we need to be kind. Here's some great advice on not being rude from the Proverbs. I love this. This isn't a message paraphrase. You will love this too. Proverbs 30, 32 and 33. If you're dumb enough to call attention to yourself by offending people and making rude gestures, don't be surprised if someone bloodies your nose. I like that. That's the Bible. <laughs> it's a paraphrase, but it's what it means. You know, don't. Let's, let's, let's really work on not being rude and let's always question ourselves. And let's try and catch ourselves being rude. Let's try and catch ourselves. Let's, let's, let's see where it's happening and get it nipped in the bud. And, and realize every time that's happening, it's an opportunity to minister to somebody and to encourage them because they need it. And, and that's where you'll find life and peace in that. So love isn't rude. It's kind. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not self-seeking. Philippians 2, 3 and 5 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That's, sometimes these verses are hard. See, because you know that word nothing? You know what that word nothing means? Nothing. Those nothing ones are tough. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. If we're honest with ourselves, again, culturally, we do a lot of stuff out of selfish ambition. And it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, there's that word we talked about last week, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, that verse goes on and talks about 
Jesus in humility leaving his place in heaven and coming to earth and doing what he did, going to the cross and all those things. But if you stop it right where I stopped it, that's quite an admonition. Your attitude, now think about this, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Well, there you go. That's enough to work on the rest of your life. Right? That's it. Do you remember um, some years ago when the what would Jesus do thing was a big popular phase? Of, I don't know. The WWJD. and every, I know that it's, it's not that it stopped. It's just not as wildly popular as it was. But everybody for a while was had license plates and wristbands and what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? That's the WWJD. And um, it's still a really good question to ask in situations because our attitude is supposed to be like his. And he is our model for life and ministry. Uh, and, and in a culture consumed with uh, you know, selfish ambition and vain conceit, we should always be thinking about what Jesus would do in the situation. And yet, you need to make sure that you temper it and you're really thinking about what Jesus would do and not in some sort of self-righteous, pharisaical way, which we often throw in there because we've gotten this all confused. Remember, this is the Jesus who hung out with tax collectors. This, the, and, and remember, tax collectors were the, the worst of the sinners. And yet, Jesus made them... Uh, he would hang out with them. He, he didn't say, go keep doing it. He, but he, you know, he loved them. And so we need to be asking ourselves all the time, what would Jesus do in these situations? Instead of always, you know, getting, it's all about us, it's all about him and making that transition. And again, it's part of being kind. It's, it's part of what a kind life looks like. Next. It's not easily angered. Love is not easily angered. Now, make, make sure you understand. It doesn't say it never gets angry because there's an appropriate anger. And, and um, Jesus displayed appropriate anger at times when the people were in the temple and all they were consumed about was money and not people. He would demonstrate appropriate anger. There's a place for an appropriate anger. But most of us move into anger way too easily. And again, it's that noun verb thing. It's because we're, we're not feeling we're being treated like nouns when in fact we, we shouldn't be. And so that's all part of the problem. But love doesn't get angry easily. Romans twelve nineteen and 21, this is again from a paraphrase, says, <clears throat> don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry... Go buy that person lunch, or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. I like that last part of that verse. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. So, don't get easily angered. I'll tell you a quick story. If you ever been here on a Sunday, you will note that we have some parking problems, and because there's more people than we have spots, and this is a good, great problem. There's not much we can do about it. Anyway, last year around this time, the area right behind the church back here was was a big mess of uh, uh, plants all twisted in there, and there was a bunch of old tires and batteries, and it was a big mess. And we thought, you know, if we cleaned it up, A, it would be a good thing because people were dumping garbage in there. And B, we could probably park some cars in there, too. So it's a win-win situation. 
So we cleaned it up. Um, and we, we put some parking spots in there. It was all good. And then about three weeks later, maybe four weeks later, I got a registered letter at my house and one here at the church. And it was from the county. And apparently the county wasn't very fond of what had taken place behind the church. And um, it was this very formal document, and there was pages of it, and we got cited for a bunch of stuff. And it was very threatening in the way it's presented. You know, if you don't do this, you're gonna go, this is the big money it's going to cost you, and blah, 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 blah. Okay. So my initial reaction was anger. I was really mad. I mean, I was just off the charts angry uh, about this letter. I was angry that I, they came registered. I was like, come on, it's not a very big county. Couldn't they just called me and said, you have an issue? But no. See, but you get, I took this all over the place and I started rehearsing things I wanted to say. <laughs> I told you the other day, one of the advantages to getting older is at some point I've decided that almost always the best thing to do when I'm feeling like that is to not say anything. And I said to myself, I'm not, don't, you're not responding to this. I'm not dealing with this. I'm not even talking about this until I'm not angry anymore. I'm just not going to do it. And so it took about two and a half weeks. And after that long of fuming and stewing and thinking things that I'd like to say, I finally called up the county, got a hold of the inspector, and I said, I'm very sorry that we messed with the area. We shouldn't have done it. How do we make it right? And so they've been working with me all along. We're still making it right. I'm still not done. I had to put... You wouldn't believe it. Anyway, I'm not angry about it. It's good. And, and uh, we had to put plants back, and they had to be surveys done, and they had to be... But they've been very good. They've given us extensions, and, and they've worked with me. They're very kind. And do you know, because the whole time I've been as kind as I know how to be in this process, um, I've had two very interesting Bible discussions with people that wouldn't have talked to me for ten seconds if I just said some of the stuff I thought about saying initially. And, and so I see where God uses even those things if we'll let him. And the whole thing I was angry about was like, you know, ridiculous, because we shouldn't have done it. I mean, the bottom line is it, it shouldn't have happened. Okay, we're wrong. All right, fine, shouldn't have done it. I apologize. What do we do to make it right? And that's, that's what we're doing. But, but um, I was very easily angered. The only thing that I had going for me was at some level going, don't act on it, don't act on it, don't act on it, don't act on it. Do you ever have to tell yourself that? Sometimes you act on it anyway. It's too late. But by by waiting and and not doing it, it's been a much better situation. And 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 so, you know, that's that's all. It's all. I mean, if you get right down to it, every day is God's day anyway. And whatever whatever it takes, I don't care. I can make phone calls and get people to put plans. I mean, it doesn't make any difference. It's God's day. It's God's time. It's God's deal. It's His resources. Why get angry about it? So okay, we'll fix it. We'll make it right. Whatever it takes. And, and once you get there, he starts using even those situations in, in ways that you never even thought you might have a chance to, to move into. And so um, you, you need to be not easily angered. Now, I was thinking about that verse after having several discussions. 
with the inspectors, who I like. They're very nice people. They've been very cooperative. They said, oh, we would have never even done anything about it, but one of your neighbors turned you in. <laughs> well, I fired off all again. <laughs> I started thinking, all right, which one of these people did that? <laughs> and how could we fix that situation? We could crank open some speakers really loud, boom, six o'clock in the morning, church bells, I'm thinking of church bells. <laughs> and then somebody said, well, you can find out who did it. I don't want to know who did it. But if we did find out who did it, you know what we'd have to do, right? We'd have to start taking them food. We'd have to wash their cars, cut their grass. Send crews of people over to fix their, you know, whatever it is. We're here. Of course, at some point I could take that far, too far too, because I'd be getting more out of it than I should. But, do you get the idea of, there's a, we're supposed to respond differently. I think it every right to turn us in. It's okay. Should have done it. It's our fault. My fault. My decision, my fault. So, I mean, do you get the, the, the angry comes from, sorry, who do you, the, to mess with me, but who am I? And that's, that's what we have to get back to in the process. And it's all, it'll all work out. It's all good. But there's something about that angry thing that we have to be careful of. And we, we don't, don't get easily angry. And I promise you, almost everything you get angry over doesn't matter. It's easy anger. Don't. Choose to save your anger for stuff that really matters. Seriously. It better really, and it needs to have some sort of kingdom dynamic, or you just shouldn't bother. It just shouldn't. If it's not a kingdom thing, it's not where you, who do we think we are? That's the issue that we have to get to. Finally, it keeps no record of wrongs. It keeps no record of wrongs. When love is kind, it keeps no record of wrongs. I love that, this verse, uh, it's a verse we've been looking at, but it's again in the paraphrase, the message. Doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. I like that. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Um, don't do that. Don't, don't compare yourself to others. Don't hold up a vast array of what people have done to you and, and hang on to it. Don't do it. Just let it go. Again, it's, it's not worth hanging on to. It's not kind to hang on to it. Here's what we're supposed to do with it, Luke 6, 37 and 38. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you'll not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Um, that's how we're supposed to treat each other. That's a relational verse. That's, that's what that's talking about. You, you, you love well, you forgive well, and, and you give from your heart towards other people, and it comes back in the process. And that's the kind of love that we need to get out there and encourage the world. So I hope that you're memorizing the verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5. Love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, doesn't boast, isn't proud, it isn't rude, it isn't self-seeking, it isn't easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. And that not only you're memorizing it, you're practicing it as well. Because we have to practice to get any good at it. And that's my encouragement. Practice loving this way. Because that's what God wants us to do. And some of the best ways to do it 
be thankful for five things every day and encourage two people. It's a very practical way to love well. Amen? Amen. If you've been watching by video, thanks for watching. If you need anything, you can call us, write us. We'll see what we can do for you. But uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, call it a night here. And so let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are.